This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So, Bree, I remember this one time I was in a bike race around Tucson, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. We were riding down 4th Avenue, and there's railroad tracks, like street track tracks, and my bike's tire like went and wedged in to the railroad tracks, no. and I totally fell down and just like skinned my hands, everything. Ugh. I had nothing with me, nothing at all. And it's that times where you want a first aid product and you have nothing. And <laughs> active skin repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. I've used it on my son's mosquito bites, and I wish I would have had it the time I totally scraped up my hands. Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. And active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order. Use code NOGUILT. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined here by my musical co-host, Brie Tucker. It's time to start the music. It's time to shine the light. It's time to get things started on the No Guilt Mom show today. We're like fired as intro singers now. I know. Gosh. fired. No. Oh, good Lord. You got it better than I did, though. I was like, I don't know about that. I was just like, do, do, do. I, I lost my confidence. I don't know why the Muppet Show popped in my head, but oh, it did. it's just fun. It's the joys just of fun. dealing with someone that has adult shiny object syndrome. But I have it too. <laughs> and like adult shiny object syndrome, I think it's the best thing in the world because the world is always novel. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Everything's always interesting because like, oh, what's that over there? <gasps> squirrel. That's the coolest <laughs> squirrel I've ever seen. <laughs> so yeah, it's all about exciting and happy. And I think it's. It's good to be a squirrel. It's good to have squirrel syndrome. It is. It is. I love seeing them. Well, today we are talking with uh, Vicki Hofel, who writes one of our favorite books, Duct Tape Parenting. Oh, my goodness. This was a life-changing book when you read it. Yes. I remember you got so excited. So then I had to do it on my Audible, and I was like, oh, she's so smart. And I love how, like, straight forward she is. Yeah, she's very straightforward. And the way we heard of uh, Vicky and her work is from a previous podcast guest, Catherine Reynolds-Lewis. Yes. Because she talked about it. She talked about duct tape parenting in her book, The Good News About Bad Behavior. I read duct tape parenting and I'm like, yes, this is everything I've been thinking on the page. Uh, Because the premise is, is that we as parents, we do too much for our kids. And if we left them to their own devices and put on the metaphorical duct tape over our mouths, duct tape ourselves to the chair, we would find that they become more self-sufficient and are able to handle problems on their own. I know, right? And I think that's like such a hard thing for us to just step back and watch silently. It is. It's it's because they very stumble, hard. 
They stumble. Sometimes they fall flat on their face, but other times they stumble and they get themselves back up. And it's just like, wow, you actually did it. I 100% did not believe your plan was going to work. I didn't want to say it, but I believed it. And sure enough, you managed to actually make this work. Oh, yeah. I know. It's so interesting, Um, especially when you take on this idea of that you're taping yourself to the chair and like you're putting your hands behind your back. Because I I think of that now all the time when I see my kids struggle, like if they're making dinner or whatever, and they're having trouble finding the ingredients, I will physically take my hands and I will hold them. And I will imagine that I have duct tape on my mouth. I'll just be like, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And just watch so that they figure it out themselves. It's very hard, though. It is. It is. I always come back to like, I remember when you and Josh did this experiment first Mm -hmm. about the whole like, okay, we're going to and you told him like, we're going to watch them. And you said there was a little bit of terror in his eyes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He's like, so we don't remind them about anything. I'm like, well, nope, not for the day. And through it all, like, I'm sure at this point, like, I know we've referenced the story a few times, but through it all, at the very end, you found out that your daughter had a belief that was, you never would have in a million years thought she had of that, oh, I thought you guys just did it. Oh, yeah. Like when she, when she left pizza boxes out after her and her friends were there. And I'm like, why? Like, I didn't even eat pizza. Why is this still on the counter? And she basically said, well, since I'm the adult, that was my job to clean up after guests. Yeah. And it wasn't to be mean. It wasn't to be mean at all. It was was just the understanding. Yeah. Yeah. And we fixed that. (laughs) (laughs) But you never had that conversation. Yeah. But you never would have gotten there had you not started that journey weeks before where Mm -hmm. you were like, okay, we're going to like watch this. And I remember because like a big thing was that the breakfast plate was still sitting out. Uh And in my head, the breakfast plate sitting out and her not realizing she didn't clean it up until dinner time was a natural progression into the pizza box being left there. Yeah. And being like, oh, well, I just. That was you. For sure. And I think like as parents, when we see our kids leave messes, we automatically go to that like monologue in our head that, oh my gosh, no one appreciates us. They don't pick after themselves. I have to pick up after everybody. And then we clean up. Oh, yes. And we're mad. Uh Uh-huh. And then we go to our kids and be like, why didn't you clean up? Right. And then they're mad. And so the best thing to do is just to step back to watch and to figure out what are those thoughts going through their heads? What are those like things that they hold to be true. And once we find that, we can fix it. Right. And it was such an easy fix once you got there. So, yeah. oh my gosh, I'm so excited for you guys to hear Vicky. This Vicky, is amazing. Vicky is amazing. She is a, she's been a parenting educator for many years. She uh, raised six kids, ran a childcare, and she's coached countless parents over the years, coast to coast. And we hope you enjoy our interview with Vicki Hopeful. If you are feeling all the overwhelm right now and you feel like your family does not help you out and you have no idea how to even get them to start helping, you need our Happy Parent Checklist. Uh, You can go get it free at noguiltmom.com backslash HPC. And now on with the show. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible, and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. Welcome, Vicki, to the podcast. We we are such big fans of your book, Duct Tape Parenting. We are so, so happy to have you here. So thank you for taking the time to join us. 
Thank you so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here today. So for those of our audience who, who I mean, they must be new to the podcast because we mentioned duct tape parenting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but can you tell them a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yes. I am a parent educator, which I have been doing for 30, over 30 years. And I fell into it accidentally because I realized that I was going to be a really unfit mother early on in my pregnancy with my oldest daughter. I am a bossy, opinionated, selfish, short-tempered, bossy. Did I say that? And and <laughs> I, I knew that those were not like tendencies and character traits that would enhance the relationship with my kids. And so I made it a mission to find a, a kind of way of being with my kids rather than strategies for how to manage them. I wanted to know what I could do to create a life, an environment in which I was the support and the influence and the inspiration for my kids. So I started teaching these parenting classes just kind of by accident because I was running a daycare. And what I realized was on Monday, when the kids came, they were a little clingy and demanding and crying and falling on the floor. And by Friday, they were kind of coming in and hanging up their coats and saying hello and saying goodbye to mom. And on Monday, we'd start all over again. And I thought, okay, there's a disconnect between <laughs> what is happening at their homes and what is happening with me. And it occurred to me that like parents are doing the best they can. But if you're getting conflicting information all the time, it's really hard to come up with a parenting plan that feels authentic, that feels like something you can do all of the time instead of when you're well-rested and you've had the right amount of coffee and your husband has told you how fabulous you are. And it's like, it has to be able to work no matter what is going on in my life. And the classes kind of took off. And 20 years later, somebody said, would you please write a book and kind of share what those guiding principles are? And I did. And uh, as it turned out, it resonated, I think, with a whole group of women who saw parenthood as more than just an extension, perhaps, of who they are, were, but more of a, a kind of global job. Like, I'm raising this child who's going to go out into the world, and they're going to stamp it in some way. So how do I want my kids to stamp their mark on the world? And that's the story. So here I am. I love that. I love that thought of like, they're leaving their stamp. They're leaving their stamp on how, the world. How do I want to see that stamp? I, I like to talk about the magic wand, but I like the stamp way better. The That's going to be my thing now. Yeah. And something that I really like that you said is you needed to find a way of parenting to work no matter like how much energy you had or how good you were feeling that day. Because something that we hear a lot from parents and moms in particular is that they feel in parenting that the reason they're feeling unsuccessful is that they're not consistent. Yeah. They don't follow through. And your method of parenting, I really like it because it's not about following through and being consistent on the parents' part. Yes. It's more about stepping back and doing less in the parents' part. Yeah. You know, I have said for years, it is really hard to manage your personality for a few days in a row. You're always going to snap back to what feels most natural to you. What it, And it, those are based on your beliefs and your values and your experiences. And when we try and pigeonhole moms and dads and we say, no, this is the way that you need to raise the kids. If you want a child who is this, this, and this, these are the things you have to do. I think it makes parenting a whole lot harder on all of us, um, including the kids. So when we step back 
And we say to ourselves, I got to trust my gut. I have to trust my intuition. I have to learn how to read my children, how to interpret how they're communicating to me. I have to ask questions that help me understand on another layer what's really going on so I can be an advocate for my child so that they can advocate for themselves. So I, my message is always trust yourself first. And when you go out and you start looking for something to implement, make sure it feels like you, that it's something that kind of resonates automatically, that you think, yes, I think I've always known that, but I never heard anybody say it or give me permission to do it. And that's what I, I'm hoping that I'm doing for moms and dads. Shout out to Clarendon for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Hey guys, Brie here. And let me tell you, April is a killer time of the year for me because it is crazy allergy season. I swear, everything that is in bloom looks fantastic and beautiful, but it makes it so I can't breathe. I am literally coughing, sneezing, rubbing my nose. I look like Rudolph half of the spring. It's terrible. But luckily for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies like I do, we live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can finally breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine is the best decongestant available. It relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy, watery eyes, itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I absolutely love it. It is the only allergy medicine that works for me. So if you're ready to live life as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just one quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Hey all, it is Joanne and Bree here. And we want to tell you about a podcast that you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Uturbe, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And in this latest season of Understood Explains, it covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. We actually just listened to the episode, IEPs, Does My Child Need an IEP? And here is what we loved about it. I loved that it was so digestible. Like it was such a short episode and all of the topics, which could be really confusing to parents, were easily explained. And I loved how they gave great concrete examples because you know how much I love me a good example. They explained what kind of services and supports you could actually see on a child's IEP or individual education plan. And they explained those acronyms that nothing drives me more crazy than when there's acronyms and I don't get it. I don't know what it stands for. They took the time to explain everything in so much detail and to cover concerns that a lot of families have about special ed services. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains, or just click on the link in our show notes. That is the key right there, I think. It's the hearing it, the validation of it, and then the, oh my gosh, permission to go ahead and just yeah. be the parent that you want to yeah, be. Yeah, exactly. You trust yourself first. I think 
that's such, it's, it's something that we're taught not to do as like parents and by society, because we want our kids to be successful. And a lot of parents feel that if they're not constantly on top of their kids and trying to direct them into the right, like methods of behavior that somehow their kids are going to, I mean, we like to talk about here at no guilt mom, they're going to end up in a van by the river. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And I think The thing is, parents really believe that. Like when I talk to them in person, there's this look on their face like, no, no, you don't understand. It will be my child in the bus under the river. And I'll have to make up a lie to all my friends about, oh, he's off in college in Nepal or something. (laughs) So I get that, that we're so invested in the success of our kids that unintentionally we hamper their success by trying to run their lives for them. So the image I use for parents that I think automatically lands is you have this infant that before they can walk, you're like promoting their independence and saying, you can do it. And they scrape their nose and it's a little bloody. And you're like, you're fine. Keep crawling. You got, so the message is, wow, my parents, like they're rooting for me, for my independence, for my autonomy. And the minute they're up on their feet, we stand in front of them. We're like, I got it now. You're just going to look at my bottom for the next 15 years. And then you're going to go out in the world. Doesn't that sound grand? And the kids are like, um, you got to move. I cannot see where I'm going. And I'm the one that's supposed to meet navigate. So our intentions are always let me go first so I can save you from the pain. And the kids are thinking, but I need that experience to become wise like you. So please step aside and just watch. And if it looks like I'm going to go over the cliff, grab me. But otherwise, trust that I can get myself back out of trouble. Right. Because they feel that they understand and they're able to, when we're doing that thing where we're trying to protect them and guide them, they feel like you you said earlier, oh, I must not be able to do it. Oh, the world must be very scary. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. What's going to happen to me when I go out there? Because mom and dad are just always right here and and keeping an eye on me. So I must not be able to do this. And then suddenly they just stop trying. Yeah. That's the saddest thing, I think. Again, I think that's when a lot of us really do start freaking out about the van by the river. Because when they stop trying, that's when we're, oh my gosh, I have to do this even harder. Yeah. I have to do this even more. That's true. And it's exactly the opposite. That's exactly what happens is the problem we create is in good intentions. The kids begin then to look as if they're apathetic, they don't care, they disconnect, but that's all a lack of confidence that we're seeing in them. And that's one of those, we miss what they're really communicating. We think they're being defiant when what they're really telling us is, I've lost faith in myself because I don't believe you have faith in me. And so we get more frantic. So we push harder, we grab them, we try and muscle them around. And that disconnect, that relationship fracture extends until we finally feel like, well, I guess there's nothing I can do. So the child feels like we've left them and we feel like we've done a really bad job and nobody wants that for themselves or for their kids. No. And those relationship fractures, that was one thing I, you mentioned in your book, how usually a misbehavior or something that we view as a misbehavior can be attributed to two things. The lack of learning is one, and then it's the relationship. That's the other one. Could you yeah. talk like a little bit more about that relationship fracture, like how that happens? Yeah, I think in the beginning, when our children are really young and we've, they're on us, they're in us, we breathe them. We're like mm-hmm. the same unit. It's that symbiotic, you know what they want. But then there's this moment where 
they need that space to look around and guide. And it's at that moment when we come in and we start talking over them, Mm -hmm. when we tell them that they can't wear the same pair of pants, even though they're a kid who only likes one outfit that they have. So we start the messages we start to send are, you're not good enough. I thought you were good enough before you could walk and talk, but now I have a lot of opinions about the way I want you to be. And nobody can be in a relationship with someone when they feel like they're not good enough, that who they are intrinsically is not who that person wants to be in relationship with. And so there's that pushback from a child who already feels rejected because we don't love them as they are. And so that kind of defiance, that pushback, that I don't trust you, that you're not listening to me amplifies. And we start to name it misbehavior, disrespect, demands, defiance. But it's a child trying to communicate, I need to be the navigator of my life. And I need you to let me do that. And when we don't, the relationship just keeps crumbling. So what I'm hearing is that a lot of the things that parents label as like backtalk, for instance, is really the child communicating that they need more control in their life and that they need to be trusted and respected versus just seeing it as just, you know, defiance or misbehavior. Parents who are listening right now, who may be like seeing like some little nuggets of like their own kids in this, and maybe they're like, oh my gosh, here I am. I'm at this point now. How do I get out of it? So what can parents start doing to repair this relationship with their kids? Okay. There are a couple of really simple things that you can start to do immediately. The first one is start to make the observations before you open your mouth with your freaking opinion. Like look at what is happening and say to the child, wow, you are incredibly pissed right now. What is going on with you, dude? Five minutes ago, you were playing with your brother and now look at you. So the child's like immediately validated. Oh, you see that I'm angry. Two, you're not afraid of my anger. Three, I'm not bad for being angry. Four, oh, you're interested in why and what happened? Oh, okay, I'll play. Well, so and so. And suddenly you've got a conversation where before it was an accusation, a judgment, a stop doing that, a lecture, a reprimand. And so the conversation is done and over. And as a parent, you don't really know what happened. You're just thinking, I need to react to this and I need that behavior to stop. And my theory is go into the behavior, settle it down, sit down on the ground with it and like, take a look and go, so what is this shyness about? What is this anger about? What is this confusion about? What is this jumping on the chairs about? Suddenly a child immediately senses, oh, you're on my side instead of I've got an enemy here who's trying to stop me. Right. And you know what? I think a really interesting thing that you talked about too in your book, how there is a characteristic that some kids have and it tends to be the misbehavior from the parent's perspective. And we reinforce that with our child. And it's just like, okay, so like I think you talked about a little girl that was the whiner. The whiner. And, and like mm-hmm. mom was like, she whines all the time. She told the teacher that. So then the kindergarten teacher expected yeah. her to be a whiner. And she kept whining and whining until somebody was like, hey, not, not going to reinforce that. So, so I think that's very interesting about how we see a misbehavior in our kids. And then after a while, we just start to label our child that way. And then the kid's like, oh, that's me then, mm-hmm. I guess. Right? Yeah, exactly. One of the exercises I have parents do early on when I was teaching live was to have them go home and write out three to five adjectives or character traits that they wanted 
their children to embody at 25, not at six, at six, you know, leave them alone. They'll they'll (laughs) get there. But at 25, when your kid comes home for dinner, when you look at your child, what words do you want to use to describe them? But more importantly, when your kid looks in the mirror, what do you want them to say about themselves? And then those are the words that we want to start using in our homes all day long. Wow, you're, you were so patient with your brother when he asked you to read the story for the fifth time. It's like, oh, there's a word and there's the action associated with the word. Then children move to, I am a patient child. I'm a respectful child. I'm an inclusive child. I'm a forgiving child because they're used to being talked about in those words rather than you're grouchy, you're demanding, you're stubborn, you're slow, you're snarky. You're, it's like, well, you're going to get more of that then. So yeah. <laughs> you, you might want to change the words you're using to describe that little wee one because at 13, it will not be so cute. Exactly. I'm always amazed at um, how, I mean, I I talked with my kids after doing all of this parenting reading that we've been doing here at No Guilt Mom. And like, you just pick up things. And I asked my kids, I'm like, so what are your strengths? And they were not able to tell me their strengths. And then I looked at myself and I'm like, well, what are my strengths? And I, I had a hard time coming up with my own strengths because so much of our culture is focused on what we can improve and what we could do better on and not at what we're good at. So I love that. Just thinking of those adjectives that you want to describe your child and then start talking about them that way. That is awesome. That's it. And also you were saying to be curious too about your kid's behavior, to not label it instead of being like, you know, you need to stop this and you need to calm yourself down. Be like, oh, you're angry. I like that as well. Just validating their feelings. Yeah. And I, you know, curious questions. So let me preface this by saying parents ask questions all the time because they're nosy. And they want information so that they can decide what they're going to do to their kid or for their kid or against their kid. But we're asking questions for ourselves. That's not the point of questions. It doesn't matter that we know our children. It only matters that they know who they are. And that happens through the questions we ask them. So the questions are designed for the child to go, I don't know. What do I think about that? I don't know. Why was that so upsetting? I don't know. Why is that my favorite spot to go for lunch? Because when they start to articulate that, they can describe who they are to other people in the world. They can start to look at all the people that are available to them and say, you know what? That person has the same interests, the same values, the same kind of family structure that I'm drawn to. These are the kind of people, you know, I don't feel that connection. But that comes from knowing yourself. And as parents, we're more concerned about us knowing the kids. So I'm trying to get parents to flip that and to ask curious questions so the kids walk away going, you know, maybe I should consider that because I don't have an answer for it. That, I think, is real empowerment for both the parent and the child. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, You'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. 
My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Okay. So first of all, it's so funny because when you say that, I don't know, like immediately inside, I'm like, oh my gosh, because when we ask our kids a question and they're like, I don't know, it's like, we're stuck. (laughs) We're kind of stuck because they're then waiting for us to fill in the, what they don't know. And it's so hard to just kind of let them be and figure it out for themselves. Sitting in the silence. Yeah. That's a hard one. <laughs> yeah. But as parents, the older your kids get, the more we need to do right. that. So every year we're taking a step back from all of that kind of training and, you know, imparting our wisdom and telling kids things they don't know. And that's once you get in that habit, it's really hard to back off, especially if you're bossy pants like me, because <laughs> I really think I should be in control of the universe and there would be peace. Right. So I'm always trying to control my children's lives. But if I can give myself something every year to kind of remind myself, say a little bit less, ask harder questions, ask questions that force the child to go into areas that they might feel uncomfortable with. But here's the caveat. You got to do that to yourself because you cannot give a child something that you cannot give yourself. So that idea of I don't know, and I'm good enough. And these are my strengths. And these are the areas that I'm working on all translate to a child that says, I'm never done learning. And I'm never done growing because my parents are modeling that for me, that there doesn't become an age where you suddenly know everything about your life and everybody else's life. It's always this, I want to know more about you. And that's the power of curious questions. I love that. I uh, myself need to ask a little bit more curious questions, <laughs> just taking the time for it. Now in, yeah. uh, in duct tape parenting, you say that parents really need to step back and in doing so you have kind of a non-traditional method of doing that, where it's like the metaphorical duct tape over your mouth, duct tape to the chair, like step back. And you advise parents to do this for like a week. Is it a week? Yeah. So what do you say to parents who are like, oh my gosh, I just, I don't know how I can step back. The world will fall apart. The world will fall apart. My kids will like, it'll be anarchy. It'll be Lord of the Flies. That's your fiction. That is your fiction. Right. And that fiction dictates all of your parenting decisions. And that's the dangers because you're making decisions based on fiction, not fact. So you're always going upstream and against your children. So the minute you can stop and think, okay, I'm just going to watch what happens in my house if I'm not directing all of the time, what will happen? And a couple of things traditionally happen. These are the two scenarios. You have kids who finally figure out like mom and dad are going to be quiet for the week 
and they come out in their Batman suit <laughs> to go to school. And they're like, I am wearing this Batman suit and there's nothing <laughs> you can say about it because this is duct tape parenting week. And off they go. And the parents cringe. And two days later, the kid comes back and goes, I'm not wearing the Batman suit anymore. It's too small. We got to get rid of it. And the parents like, oh my God, I've been fighting for a year about this kid in the Batman suit. It took me three days and the kid figured it out for themselves. So you have this kid who suddenly shows you that they can make really smart decisions if you give them five minutes. The other scenario is you have a child who is so dependent on you that they are mortified and terrified that their world is falling apart because they cannot figure out what to do next without a parent's voice behind them. And so they are puddles. Both of those scenarios are really, really important for parents. If what they're trying to do is create a parenting plan that's based on their child, their relationship, the structure of the family, and for the long term. And if that doesn't happen, you're always in this kind of gerbil wheel of trying to deal with the next behavior, the next behavior. At the end of those five to seven days, your whole idea of what your children can and cannot do will change. And your idea of your primary responsibility to those children will change. Intuitively, you'll know what direction to move in. So as difficult as it is, and as scary as it seems, in 35 years, nobody has ever been rushed to the hospital and the police have never been called. So <laughs> something is working with this exercise. And I really think it's that parents, for a moment, trust themselves. Like they remember like, wait a minute, I think I'm smarter than I thought I was. Like, I kind of know this stuff. I just haven't been trusting myself. And when that gets activated, the family is kind of reborn. I love how you just said that, like in those five days, the parents, they're able to listen to themselves better and they have a better understanding of where their kids are. Mm -hmm. so I think yeah. That's a really great goal to get through. And if worst case scenario, if you're like me and you're still super anxious about the van by the river, just make it through <laughs> one day at a time, right? At one the end day of each day, did anybody die? Nope. Okay. We can keep doing this. We keep doing it. Yeah. And you know, I think something you said earlier about we're so programmed to look for what didn't work mm -hmm. and what needs to be fixed, that this reboot is a little bit of like, let's get rid of some of that tension and anxiety that we carry around and recognize that you're doing a really great job. But when you're on top of your kids and the situation all the time, you forget to kind of look up and celebrate that you're raising amazing human beings, but it's like, but they're not quite there yet. It's like, it's good enough right now. Like just celebrate where you all are in this moment and then go fix something else. But in this moment, it's enough. We all need to celebrate the fact that we are raising amazing human beings. And I think like this conversation has reiterated that I, I still have some work to do too. And I'm going to uh, actually take that strength suggestion you had about finding the strengths in my kids and start reinforcing that more. Oh, you already inspired a family meeting idea for me. Family, family meetings, meetings oh, are my, are my yeah. jam. So I'm already, already wrote down oh, God, such a great idea. Can't wait to do this when my kids come home this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> but this has been so, so amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Oh my gosh. It was my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. It was a delight. Vicky was the most enjoyable person to talk to. Oh she, my goodness. Like I was already excited to talk to her beforehand, but yeah. chatting with her in real life, she's legit. She She's so much fun. And the fact that she was doing her interview right by the ocean, we're like, what? <sighs> Hashtag life, life goals. Life goals. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Well, not only was it that she was by the ocean, 
Yeah. But she is successfully in transition of having her daughter come on and take on more of the business. Like how how much would that make your heart happy to know that you can actually step back and that the legacy is going to continue on of helping parents? Yeah, I, I think it's also a testament to how she approaches parenting and that she yes. has that relationship with her daughter, that her daughter wants to come on in this field and be totally like you know, take it over. And her daughter was a teacher too. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And uh, she has like so many fun projects. Like there was a project they're going to have here soon where they're going to have question cards for the curious questions. Oh my gosh, I can't wait for those. Yeah. I can't wait for those. Those are, those are going to be interesting. It's funny, like having this whole thing about like your kids kind of following in your footsteps because like growing up, my dad was a teacher and he always told me, he's like, don't become a teacher. Don't become a teacher. They'll, <laughs> they'll disrespect you. Like it'll be like the hardest job you ever have. Like don't become a teacher and so I didn't I didn't become a teacher like at first I didn't go to school for that and then what happened I was in business for like five years like in entertainment out in LA and I'm like this sucks I'm gonna go become a teacher (laughs) (laughs) and I loved being a teacher I loved it oh the only the only reason I'm out is because like teachers in Arizona do not get paid enough to support a family and that was always my fear is that like you have all this time you devote to your profession and your kids and yet you don't have a living wage like you almost have to have a partner to be an elementary school teacher yeah and I would say the same thing for early childhood for the early Mm -hmm. childhood field so you're focusing on kids that are zero to five that is not a livable career either like so I have two kids you guys all know that I have Robert and Audrey and man neither of them want to be a teacher at one point Audrey did Mm-hmm. want to be a teacher and that like made my heart happy but then also at the same time I was like "Ooh, yeah you're always going to struggle let's come up with a different career path but it's you. like a state-by-state thing because teachers in Pennsylvania they get like 80,000 a year oh I know Vermont and, yeah it's, it's phenomenal too so I just it's it is interesting I would love to see us nationwide have a little bit more stability in that field and to just also realize that like teachers have a humongously lasting impact on our kids they do it's one of it's one of the most important jobs that like teachers need to be paid well so that more stay in the profession and that we really like teach kids well and raise them well and i am a full believer in that the impact that we have on kids totally like it affects our future and It it, it affects like the future economy it's like the best investment we could ever make Yes, but so you, much. you can't you can't see that in a year end profit report. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I can go on my soapbox very, very much about this. But yes, invest in education. That's all yes. I'll say. Yes. So Vicki, uh, if you want to know more about her, make sure you go check out her book, Duct Tape Parenting. And she has many other books, too. Yeah, we'll have links all of this in the show notes. So check it out. Check it out. And hey, if you like our podcast, people. We haven't done a pitch for this in a while. Yes. Please rate and review. I mean, we, we have seen like, I have to admit, like there has been a lot of new listeners popping on here lately. Yes, there are. Because uh, I do as the podcast producer do keep pretty good tabs on our on our stats there. And so thank you to all of our new listeners out there in podcast land. We love you all so much. And if you like this podcast, tell a friend, rate and review because that's what helps us pop up more in people's feeds and we can start spreading more of the no guilt mom word. Yes. Helping you feel less alone and knowing that your happiness is important as a parent because the best mom is a happy mom. So take care of you and we'll talk to you later. Thanks so much for stopping by.
When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.